This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against him, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. The CEO of Oracle, Mark Hurts. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soschnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Joining us this week, John Curry, the Wake Forest AD. We're going to have a lot coming with that interview in a few minutes. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Let's start with the baseball revenue. Gee, I thought baseball was in trouble. Now, Evan, I'm going to do the soundtrack. You do the, the stats, okay? <laughs> talking baseball. Ten billion dollars. Yeah. Up from last year. <laughs> Rob Manfred doing the tap dance, doing bass. Yeah. The, you, the, they perhaps, lost money with that song perhaps, right now. Man. Perhaps the reports of the death and demise of Major League Baseball have been overstated, Michael Barr? Yes. Are they higher than uh, ever? Uh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is record ten point seven billion dollars in revenue for baseball. According to Forbes, gone up seventeen consecutive years. Um, I think some people might be surprised still out there to to know that baseball significantly more revenue than 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 the NBA at this point right now. Um, but no surprise here, Scott. Fueled by media rights. Yep. You know, an increase in the in the Fox deal, which I believe you, that I kicks broke, in next I think year. You broke that story. Yeah, and I believe that kicks um, in next year. And so then, we're going to get another bump. And, and there's more. You know, Turner. There, there's a negotiation there that, that that those rights will get extended as well. Most likely, that will also be a bump. This is all kind of driven by you know by the national media deal. And right now that the local rights are going back to the teams, we've already seen a hint of Amazon pairing with the Yankees and Sinclair, giving it some distribution heft. See, that'll be the model, I think, for folks. And we've got the Cubs are doing their marquee sports network. Let's see how they get distribution and at what price. Um, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of inventory. We know that. Yeah, and baseball, you know, for so long was driven by gate receipts. 162 games, 81 home games, uh, so much more than every other sport. Um, but, you know, as all sports are, the kind of the, the, the calculus and the ratio right now between gate receipts and media money is, is starting to increasingly flip the other way. And, and this is no different. Eben Barr, let me ask you a question and give me a little guess here. If you went to every single baseball owner and said, all right, magic potion here you can get rid of your facility and you know blink of an eye a new one appears how many folks would say give me a smaller venue fewer seats but better premium options all 30 of them all of them yes everyone eben I mean, I think a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them have already built, you know, a lot of them have built this already, right? Shea Stadium got smaller, I believe, in with new City Field. Um, but yes, I think you're exactly right. I think the, the, the trend we're going to see, and not just baseball, I think we're going to see it all over, is just that, you know, you can make more money, probably less empty seats if you shrink the venue, charge more for the really, really premium stuff. Um, that, that seems to be the way things are going. Tight shots of an NFL game and 15,000 people in a lower bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, let's move along. I'm shocked about this one. Uh, the Major League Baseball umpires, they have made an agreement to accept somewhat the electric uh, strike zone. Uh, but I, I, I thought for years that this would never happen. I, I don't think you can stop tech at this point. And they got a new five-year deal between the Umpires Association and MLB. 
But I don't think you can stop technology at this point. You've got your VAR in soccer. You've got your replays. They're just getting beat over the head with these calls. You better embrace it and figure out how you can utilize it in your game. I think kudos to baseball yeah. for for recognizing that there was, you know, as there's more scrutiny on the game, as more people are betting on the game, there's a part of that game that is, you know, essentially an eye test that is supremely difficult and people get things wrong and they're looking at technology to fix it. I, I think the onus now shifts to the NFL. What are we doing with ball placement? You know, third and down, fourth, fourth and inches they're is pulling chains. You have lasers. Guy who exactly. runs yeah. across the field. <laughs> ostensibly in a straight line to put the ball down next yeah. to his foot and suddenly it's 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 a centimeter you, away from the first down. You could with a laser do it to the inch of where, of where it needs to go. Agreed. And by the way, they still haven't even gotten a coin toss right. So yeah, yeah. I think this seems very simple I, to I me. think kudos to baseball and I think, I think we're going to start to hear more and more of a drumbeat, especially as other sports embrace this technology for the NFL to do better in this regard. And uh, finally, SEC in a big TV package with ABC ESPN. The closest thing, Edmund, I, I would say to professional football on the college level, and we know there are the power all power five, but the powerist, <laughs> the most power, the power power, is the SEC. Oh yeah, and they're getting about fifty-five million dollars a year now from CBS. What a deal! The, the, for the CBS, but, yeah, the, might be deal. the best package in all the sports from the broadcaster standpoint. That's half what ESPN pays for a single Monday night game. Y- right. Yes, the and entire year of well, SEC guess what? Football. They're really good. They have four more years left on that deal. But it looks as if, and our friend Joe Orand over at Sports Business Journal uh, had this story. It looks as if the SEC is going to be moving to ABC, ESPN. So. A lot of distribution. You've got your ESPN Plus. A lot of things you could do there. More live windows. But it's just interesting to me that CBS, which did choose to open the piggy bank for UEFA, for the PGA, and we all know still coming up the pike is the NFL. How would you like to be the NFL right now going into talks with Sean McManus or everybody else at CBS saying, you have got to have this. You can't. You have to have it. That is a terrible position for CBS to be in. I agree. I think the NFL looks at this, especially from a CBS, their, their negotiations with CBS and says, you making my mouth a water. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and don't forget from the, from the SEC side, ESPN's a partner in SEC Network, right? Yeah. So, so potentially if they do, and we're expecting them to, but if they do sign over to ESPN, ABC, you know, that gives them more synergies with their, with their cable network as well. Now let's get to this week's interview with John Curry, Athletic Director at Wake Forest. John, happy holidays and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Evan. I'm glad to be with y'all. So you guys are playing your bowl game, Pinstripe Bowl, here in New York City. How do Wake Forest coaches, players, administrators, how do you celebrate the holidays when you're on the road for a football game the entire week? Well, for a college football program, there's nothing better than being on the road uh, during the holidays because that's mean that means you've accomplished something. You've you've uh, you've won a certain number of games. You've um, uh, played your way into a, a reward situation in terms of a bowl game. Uh, and so, college football families, coaches, and their families um, they're they're used to being on the road, and they want to be on the road at this uh, particular moment in time. It also uh, gives uh, as a person who's um, family has grown up in college athletics, you know, your kids kind of get into a pattern of, of uh, Christmas is a little bit different. You know, you might be in a hotel somewhere, um, you know, Santa Claus, you got to figure that out for, for uh, depending on what age your kids are, um, whether Santa Claus is coming to the house and leaving stuff or whether Santa Claus is going to follow the plane to wherever you are. Um, 
but it's uh, it's it's a really neat time. Um, you know, a lot of great relationships are formed as as kids um, kids of coaching staff or kids of administrators, you know, get to know each other at uh, at functions and at, and at meals. Um, so it's different than a traditional uh, holiday season, but uh, if you're in this enterprise, it's where you want to be. If you're going to go to Yankee Stadium, the first time you should do it on the subway, and you should do it on the four train, which comes outdoors and up, and then you approach the stadium. Do you think about things like that, or is it just whatever, we just need to get there, and if we take a bus, we take a bus? Absolutely. In fact, I went to the Pinstripe Bowl, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, in 2010 when I was athletic director at Kansas State for the first edition of the Pinstripe Bowl. Was that the one that was negative degrees? Was it really cold? Uh, it was cold on game day. The, the thing that happened in 2010 was the huge 28-inch snowstorm uh, on Christmas Day as we were flying in. Mm-hmm. So um, the field was uh, – for it was warmer, actually, on the game day, but – but it, we had uh, we did have that colossal snowstorm that we dealt with all week. I remember one My of those early wrote, pinstripe polls. I was in the press box, and there's no Yankee Stadium is open air press box, and I couldn't right. I couldn't feel my fingers. I like couldn't type on my <laughs> keyboard because of how cold it was. But my family did take the subway. We took we actually took the D train because we were in on you know more towards Times Square. We took the D train up. We oh, the you took the, yes. The D train is underground the entire way, and then you come up and you're there. But the four train, uh, the stop before comes outside so you sort of uh-huh. see yankee stadium as you're approaching it's worth the 10 minute walk across town and go for the four train go for the four train as we work with our group our, our travel party we have advised that um we do have a couple buses because some of our people will actually our coaches and their families actually leave uh, from yankee stadium after the game and go straight to the airport and fly home so we do have some of our group bus up to the game from from uh, Midtown, but we've we've advised that that the most efficient way for those who who don't fit on the bus is to take the subway. Nice. Can you give me an idea? What does it cost for you to send that contingent to New York and stay here? What's the whole thing? What's the bill? Um, it's substantial, and so part of the uh, uh, part of the myth of bowls is that you know programs make a lot of money on the bowls, and certainly uh, our bowl partners like the New York Yankees are great. Um, patrons of, of college athletics in providing these experiences, but you know if you think about it, our, our team flights are. Um, I think that bill is is like two hundred eighty thousand uh, dollars for the flights uh, alone, um, and then when you're talking about uh, team meals for a football team, um, you, you you can be talking about uh, ten twenty thousand uh, dollars dollars per meal. Um, all of our players get uh, six complimentary tickets. Um, and so if those average ticket prices, depending on whether they're $80 tickets or $100 tickets, that's, you know, you do the math. So it, it adds up into a, uh, in, into a fairly high, high number. And what is the, the revenue that you guys make is just the payout from the bowl. Is that right? So, so the way the bowls work um, for a, a conference like the Atlantic Coast Conference is the bowls all pay uh, their guarantee to the conference. And then there is a expense allotment from the conference to each school um, for the bowl game that they're participating in. So it's uh, a bit more expensive uh, to come to New York than it is to go to, say, Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, which is where uh, the Deacons went last year. So the um, expense allowance uh, for the game from the conference would be higher. You know, it's a seven-figure number. And so that expense, we, we work very hard to um, be within that expense number when we go to a bowl game. I always wonder if it's better to go to a bowl game 
like in New York City, you're in the city and in the United States of America compared to, uh, you know, Bug Tussle, Tennessee or something, whatever, where you don't have to worry about the city being mesmerizing and you're there to play football. Well, we, we should remember that a bowl is a reward um, for uh, a great season, and a lot goes into a great season. And one of the reasons we take our families uh, of our coaching staffs is uh, those those uh, coaches' spouses and their kids or whatever, they're the ones that have, have uh, not been able to see their fathers or husbands very often um, during the previous season because they've been working all day Sunday, breaking down film, getting ready for the next game. Or during the uh, month of May, the assistant coaches were all on the road for 25 days straight uh, recruiting. And so part of the bowl game experience is a celebration, and we want our coaches and their families, and most importantly our student athletes, to feel like um, it's bigger than just a football game. Um, however, uh, winning the football game is very important. So we are balancing, um, you know, having some fun and seeing some sights. And Coach Clawson is a big believer um, in in our players having a, a really unique experience. And one of the reasons we are so excited about the opportunity to come to the Pinstripe Bowl is it's an experience like we've talked about previously that most of our student athletes, many of our student athletes, have never had. And John, I get the sense, and correct me if I'm wrong. But you get a sense that with the championship the way it is, that the other bowls perhaps have lost some luster. Am I wrong? Well, the ratings of the other bowls on television uh, does not tell that story. Uh, The ratings uh, for uh, the bowl games are, are very high comparatively. It is probably... You know, certainly the attention paid to the New Year's Six and the college football playoff um, semifinals um, does take away some of the attention on these games, but they're still very popular. And for the student athletes who participate, um, they are a very significant uh, goal. Um, institutions want to be part of it, and uh, um, I think they're still very important. And when we talk about student athlete experience, to uh, you know, be with your teammates and celebrate your university and compete, um, they're, they're still very special and a very important part of the higher education experience. And another part of bowl games, you know, raising money, talking to alumni. That there's a whole part of the, of this of this week for you that is not even football related at all. I understand. I think about 65 percent of Wake Forest alumni live in the tri-state area. How important is is these five days in New York City for you and for the university as a whole in terms of raising money outside of just football? That's some good out-of-state tuition, by the way. Good for you. <laughs> I would say that 65% probably includes New England, okay. uh, not just the tri-state, but but it is a, a significant, as it is for many universities, but certainly for our university, a significant um, a market, if you will, and a, and a destination uh, for you know, graduating students, et cetera. Uh, about 20% of our students uh, are, are from the tri-state area uh, and a little bit further out into New England. So we actually have uh, more student tickets have been purchased for this football game in New York City than were purchased through the athletic department for the Belk Bowl hmm. in Charlotte, um, which is you know just an hour and twenty minutes away from here, uh, back in 2016. So it's it's a very significant um, experience for us. Um, the the exposure is dramatic. Uh, the exposure for the university, uh, almost 4 million people watched the Pinstripe Bowl each of the last two years. So having the Wake Forest brand uh, as one of, uh, I think we're the 27th rated uh, academic institution in the country in the most recent uh, U.S. News World Report. I mean, having that brand on that kind of stage in front of that many people uh, is a big deal. Is there um, a correlation, John, between success 
in the athletic arena, and particularly football and basketball, and applications? Have you seen that? Well, that has happened. Um, it's been documented uh, at Wake Forest in history when we went to the uh, Orange Bowl in 2006 and won the ACC championship. Um, there was a, a moment in time in 1984 when we had a huge spike of applications after a, a, a trip to the uh, Elite Eight um, in men's basketball. Um, th- those those correlations certainly uh, can happen because of, of the exposure uh, of a bowl game or an NCAA uh, basketball tournament run. So, so given all that, it, it sounds like New York's a great a great place for you guys to have a bowl game, right? A lot of your students come from there. A lot of your alumni live there. It's got a you know great TV audience. Break down how you guys end up there, right? It's not just a, a function of where you finish in the ACC versus where the Big Ten finisher is. It seems like there's a lot riding on your invitation, and if it ends up at the Belk Bowl, that, that's maybe not as good for you than it is if you get that invitation from the Pinstripe Bowl. Well, the ACC has excellent bowl tie-ins, and our commissioner, uh, John Swafford, and our associate commissioner, Michael Strickland, have done a wonderful job working with bowl partners. Um, and, and the ACC has actually had the most bowl teams of any conference over the last uh, several years, uh, again, uh, this year. Um, so the way our model works is our, our champion uh, goes to the Orange Bowl, or in this case, Clemson's our champion, and they're playing in the semifinals. Uh, then, then the Orange Bowl takes our next team, uh, and that's Virginia this year. Uh, and then from there, it's uh, somewhat of a selection process uh, with a number of different factors. Um, the Camping World uh, Bowl in Orlando has the next pick. Um, and then there's a number of Tier 1 bowls, including the Pinstripe Bowl. So the Pinstripe Bowl, or the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, uh, the Sun Bowl in um, El Paso, uh, and then the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, and the Music City Bowl in Nashville are the Tier 1 bowls. Um, for the Atlantic Coast Conference. And so rather than people being slotted to a specific bowl based upon their finish, uh, which can sometimes result in the same team going back to the same bowl multiple times or maybe uh, a team that's further away uh, to a bowl uh, is going to a bowl that's too far away and there could have been a team that was closer go to that bowl. Um, the tier system, uh, with in Pinstripe uh, being a tier one bowl for us, uh, enable some logic to come into the mix. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in this particular case, um, we have really strong relationships with uh, Mark Holtzman and Randy Levine uh, and Johnny Mosley um, in the Yankees organization. I would say that Wake Forest got their first choice, and I believe Mark and Randy and the Yankees would tell you that uh, they got their first choice from the ACC as well. All right, John, I'm going to say three bad words, I think, from the athletic departments of colleges, the three bad words these days, name, image, likeness. How much of that are you hearing these days? Well, we talk about it a lot. Uh, we also need to, to think about the fact that um, that the enterprise that is athletic scholarships um, is the largest, other than the uh, GI Bill, is the largest um, financial aid program in the history of American higher education. And um, so I'm for continuing to figure out how we can expand the value of the college scholarship and um, better enable uh, student athletes who have name, image, and likeness value to take advantage of that. Um, but let's do remember that, uh, you know, 85 scholarships uh, at, in football at Wake Forest coming up to New York, um, those scholarships cost $75,000 a piece per year. Um, that's pretty good value for for, for student athletes, um, especially for for those out there who pay in student loans, et cetera. So, um, the collegiate model is very important uh, to be sustained, and as we've done over the last ten years, we got to continue to enhance it. 
Have things gotten, I I would say, I'd say out of control, although we can just say, how about gone awry in that? I mean, even Mark Emmert said last week that we don't need these gold-laden locker rooms. Uh, If you look at coaches' salaries, strength coaches making million dollars a year. I mean, the money has to go somewhere. Has the enterprise itself lost some of its ability to control itself? There's certainly some examples that one can point to of that that leave you scratching your head. Oh, point, please, point, um, please. You've been around a while. Point to those examples. <laughs> well, the 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 degree of guaranteed contracts um, for coaches got uh, got out of control a number of years ago and became a a market norm. Um, and so, when you have you know twenty five, thirty million dollar, fifty million dollar, seventy five million dollar institutional liabilities um, extended, um, that's that's a pretty significant. Um, um, liability, and I think that is an element of of where the enterprise has lost credibility with the public. Yeah, uh, that's that's it's hard hard to defend those things. I was I was wondering. I at first when I came in, I said, "Well, this will be an easy question." As the AD, uh, football is king pretty much at many universities and schools. Then I started thinking, it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, Wake Forest, they got a pretty good men's basketball team, too. So I guess I asked the question, where uh, is it king? Is it king in college basketball or college football? Well, I'd have to say women's golf or men's tennis. Or ha, there you go, Mark. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we, we played in the uh, men's soccer collegiate cup. We've played in six of them. We've been in the Elite Eight in the last uh, four out of the last five years. We were a semifinalist this year. Uh, we we finished second in the country in women's golf this past year. We finished second in the country in men's tennis this past year. Um, at one point this fall, um, we've had three teams ranked number one nationally. Uh, we're really proud of our football program. Uh, we have the most wins in the Atlantic Coast Conference over the last three years by any team other than Clemson. Um, we have a uh, winning record against North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke, our big four uh, compadres in the state of North Carolina. We have a winning record this century. We're 30 and 18 against those schools, and we beat all three of them uh, this year to win what we call the Big Four Championship, which is a, a significant thing. Our basketball program has struggled the last couple of years, um, but we do have a, a wonderful history. Uh, Tim Duncan is up for the uh, uh, Basketball Hall of Fame this year. Um, uh, and that that sport for Wake Forest is uh, extremely important in our in our history. And by the way, Michael Bart, Tim Duncan spent four years at yes. Wake Forest. Yes, he, he did. He didn't leave after one. Somehow, he seemed to have a pretty I, I, good career. That's a good. I was just a good point. Is that frustrating when you know you see a lot of athletes like, well, got to go, see you bye, and instead they don't play for the whole four years. Um. Yeah. I. No, it's not. Um, it's frustrating Happy to have. when a, it's it's not frustrating. It's frustrating when a student or a student athlete, um, and both students and student athletes make poor decisions sometimes. Um, leave based on bad information and go from being, you know, on a seventy-five thousand dollar a year scholarship with all expenses paid and medical and food and all that kind of stuff to to being cut and not having a basketball job somewhere. That that's frustrating uh, when they gave that up and could have had that. But uh, generally speaking, um, you know, when a student athlete, we have a number of student athletes on our football squad uh, at Wake Forest that that could uh, go out of school early this year. Um, you know, we certainly would love to have them back, but if they make a business decision with their families um, and if the experience under Coach Clawson has given them the exposure and the training and the coaching to put them in a position to be drafted um, into the NFL, then then that's 
then we're, we're happy for them. Um, you know, what we're really proud of at Wake Forest is that every single player that is graduate, I mean, every single player finishing their eligibility at Wake Forest this fall that's playing in this football game uh, have, have graduated. We have uh, about 10 players that have already graduated, uh, and then we have about 10 that will graduate, uh, and we'll have 100% of this team will graduate. John, I do want to ask you about uh, your stop before Wake Forest. You were the AD at Tennessee a couple years ago, and, and for folks who don't remember, um, some controversy there you, you did a college a football coaching search um seemed set to hire greg Schiano. the the fan base there very much didn't like that idea and it seemed to kind of snowball on social media and your tenure there was about was about eight months long i'm curious what your your kind of takeaway from that experience was i've talked to a lot of administrators who point to that as kind of a a, a warning bell about the power of social media and the power of messages well, by the way we should say that Shiano. Well, wasn't going to get the, the Rutgers job again, but because of the social media and the fan pressure, Got he ultimately did get back hired, on the table. so it went yeah. the other way this time. Well, this is, this is my 10th year as a, uh, uh, a Power 5 athletic director, you know, eight years at Kansas State, um, the year at ten, or eight months, you say, at Tennessee, and, and then this year here. Uh, I think we've all seen the um, the good and the bad of social media, the good in terms of being able to extend some incredible stories about student-athletes who are doing wonderful things, and then uh, and then the bad, the um, the extension of hate and, um, you know, misinformation and uh, et cetera. Um, and it's something all of us have to recognize. Um you know, looking forward, um, you know, that, that obviously was an unprecedented situation. Um, as you examine some of the coaching hires that have been made this year, um, there's uh, a fair number of coaches who don't have very much experience, um, and they may all turn out to be excellent coaches. Um, but one of the factors that, that I believe some struggle with uh, now is uh, anybody with any level of experience um, has lost a game. And, um, and has had some kind of ups and downs. And only coaches who've never really coached a game uh, don't, have any, uh, don't have any losses. And so it's easy to latch on to a point of negativity about a coach. And if you can't get past that, you know, with fans, then, then you can end up in a really untoward uh, situation. And so having the confidence and the ability and the administrative support and the aligned administration and uh, kind of healthy uh, infrastructure is, is key to being able to make really good decisions and stick with them. John Curry, thank you very much. Thank you. I was amazed. I would have blown Family Feud because I honestly thought it was either going to be football or basketball that was number one on the board when it came to Wake Forest, and he said, "Nope, tennis and golf." Yeah, that 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 kind of shocked me a bit. Well, what did not shock me, but my takeaway is, and it shouldn't be surprising that a long time, long tenured AD still clings to the notion that the scholarship is of great, great value and sure. hammers. It's almost like the number one talking point that ADs and college presidents would have when you're talking about name, image, and likeness and what changes should be made. However, I will give him kudos and props, as they say, for the take of, yes, things have gotten out of hand in some cases, particularly the guaranteed contract to coaches going out all those years and the liabilities to the schools. I mean, you're having buyouts of $20, $22 million of coaching contracts. And he says, yes, that has gotten out of control. 
My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Number of the week. Don't go, go. don't go esports like Novi Williams did last week on me. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is what happens when now, Michael Barr is not yeah. here. Yeah, this, this, one, this one is a, a general number. Dick Trickle. Before before I get in trouble, <laughs> let me give you the number. 775. 775. And I'll give you a hint. Mm-hmm. Is it holiday related? Home run related? It, 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 it involves where I vacationed. 775. That's how much London money you Paris. lost at the uh, Coral <laughs> yeah, Sportsbook. But you were oh, on Downing <laughs> Street. You did, you did London and Paris. Yeah. So 10 Downing, 775. I don't know. The number of Brexit votes that will be taken before we know what's going on. Well, I, I will give you this. It's in London. <laughs> seven, oh. seven, five, I, I well, no outside, sure. uh, give, give me one of the most visited places as a tourist. At Buckingham Palace. Thank you. 775 rooms in huh. Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Scott, how did we not get that? <laughs> how did we not get that one? It's a sports business show. Oh, I'm telling you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, from now on, all the listeners, please start texting or, or uh, twittering uh, direct messages to Michael Barr suggesting sports That's business numbers good, of the week. Or turn the show off after me. Yeah, yeah, really. That fascinated me. 775 oh rooms. Oh, my God. I see, man. It's... You guys put up with the number of jelly beans in the jar outside. You you never know what you're going to get on our show, guys. You never know. Go ahead. You can tell the people. It was a trivia nugget. Merry Christmas from Michael Barr. Do you know, by the way, that uh, they have uh, 78 bathrooms? I did not. That's That's part of these. You just ruined next week's number of the week. That was. You're listening. I'm sick. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Head up, Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak once again with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. I like trivia. I can't help it. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports Bloomberg Radio, around the world.